you in the name of all that is good, all that is sacred, and in the warm and loving energy of this community, Spiritual Life Center. If you're joining us for the first time, we especially want to welcome you because we know that you are not here by accident. You're here by divine appointment. Thank you for joining us on your unique path today, and we hope you enjoy this special message from this past Sunday's service. Thank you for that extraordinary rendition of Psalm 23. You know, that psalm is is great to read. I think it's even better when we have the opportunity to listen to it in the form of music that we just heard. Because whenever we're faced with a challenge, it has very much a way of inspiring us and getting us through. You know, it reminds us that no matter what we are going through or what we're growing through in our life or in our world, for that matter, when the Lord, which is the great law of life, the law of our being, shepherds us, it allows us to have that activity in our awareness. It is the water that restores our soul. It is the waters of life. You know, Jesus the Christ noted that when we drink of this water, we shall never thirst again. All our needs are met, and we shall not want, we shall not lack anything. You know, we're heading into Holy Week, and usually around Holy Week, there's a lot of discussion and debate about this man that we call Jesus. It also is around the time, for some reason, every year they show the Ten Commandments and Moses but that's another story. But a lot of people ask the question, who was he? What did really he do? What did Jesus represent? We know that what we know about him or understand through the stories we have read concerning him, he had an open heart. He had an open vessel for the spirit of the living God. And yes, he sometimes was very stern with those around him, but we do remember him for having that open-heartedness. And I think when we truly understand who Jesus is and what he represents, there's a pure part within ourselves that resonates with the realization that we too must have an open heart and be those open vessels. You know, because of his openness to the Spirit, And his willingness to surrender, he fulfilled his spiritual potential, I believe, like no others before or since. And he did so to such a degree, one could not tell the difference where he left off as a human being and the God presence within him began. Which is why he was able to say, when you see me, you see the presence that sent me. That the Father, Mother God, and I are one. But he also reminded us of this. 
He said that all the things I have done, you can do because like myself, you can go straight to the Father. You can go straight to the presence. So he did not walk around saying, look at me, look at me, look at who I am as the Son of God and all that I can do. He was really telling us in his life and his words, this is what you as a child of God can do. So in these teachings, we say that Jesus represents our possibilities. That he was not seen as the great exception, but as the model, the prototype of what's expected of each of us. Now, of course, this is not necessarily an easy thing to do. Like I said, he fulfilled his potential in a way that none of others that I understand have done so. It's interesting that many years ago, I had an opportunity to have dinner with Maya Angelou. She had been in town and uh, had come to the community I was at and later on had invited me to her speech and, and then to dinner. I couldn't make the talk, but I definitely was going to make it to dinner. And somewhere in the conversation, Ms. Angelou said that, you know, she talks with people that at times and they'll say, you know, I'm a Christian. And her response would be something to the effect, you mean already? And what she was saying is that there's a distinction between being, quote, a Christian and living the Christ life. She was saying that being a Christian is sometimes considered just a once-in-a-lifetime ceremony of salvation from a so-called inherent faulty nature that we have with the idea that God or the Christ presence or salvation is completely outside of ourselves, somewhere way out there. And she went on to also say that the Christ life is about following the teachings and modeling the Jesus example with the realization that God eternally abides in each and every one of us as the Christ. Now, you can use another word for the Christ if you don't like that word. I mean, I can understand that because, you know, for many years in my life, I had an, al an, an, al an uh, allergy. See, I can't even get it out. I had an allergy to that word till I understood its full meaning and I eventually got over that allergy. But if you don't like it or somehow it doesn't sit well with you, you can substitute that word with the word force, with genius, with potential, with inner power, with your divinity. You can use any of those words for the word Christ, because it simply means that part of God within everyone. So we can call it what we will. But our job in this journey called life is to call it forth as the activity of our awareness. Because whether we're conscious or not, whether we want to admit it or not, there's a hunger within each of us to express our divine potential, to express a divine Christ presence, that God that's within us in the same way that Jesus Christ expressed it in his life. So we look to Jesus for ways and means and methods for that Christ's presence to become full bloom in our awareness. And doing this, we have been talking about going through what I'm calling the ascension process in which we spiritualize every aspect of our life. And we don't 
departmentalize our life where it's saying where we're saying that it's material over here and it's spiritual over here. We're saying that we have the opportunity to make it all spiritual. And so when we do that, we can stand and be the living proof of these principles we say we believe in. In other words, I believe it says it's no good to say, well, God is all that there is. It says it's no good to say we're surrounded by a perfect divine presence. It does us no good to say we're living and moving and having our being in God unless we are proving it in our life. Unless we're manifesting that good. Unless we are bearing witness to the good we say we believe in. So today is Palm Sunday. People celebrate it in different ways throughout the world, throughout our nation. And we have the opportunity to celebrate it actually every day because it's never a one-time experience. We're always celebrating something about the presence. So we look at the symbolic, mystical meaning of Palm Sunday. It's a pictorial parable of the triumphant appearance or the triumphant entry. And it's not merely about Jesus, the person. You know, all the stories in the Bible, all the places, the people, the names, they represent and they symbolize something within us. And Jesus symbolizes the Christ presence, the Christ principle that we all have. And when we follow that principle, when we follow our intuitive nature, it guides us. It guides us so that we can navigate through any situation in our life. So we look at Jesus riding on a donkey into Jerusalem and the palms are being laid down in front of him. And it has a very wonderful meaning for us. It's a symbolic transmutation or evolution of the soul from the raw instinctive consciousness or what some call our animal nature, our basic nature. And then it moves to our human consciousness. It was a little better than that. But ultimately, we want to get to divine consciousness. So Jesus riding on a donkey means that he had dominion. He had control over the animal nature within him. He wasn't reactionary. He was riding into the holy city. And that represents our one with God. It represents God consciousness, cosmic consciousness. It oneness with our divinity. So he had dominion over the animal nature, the raw instinctive nature, the survival nature that we all come with. And the divine became fully orbed, fully bloomed in him as a human being. Where he was able to say, when you see me, you see the presence that sent me. You see the essence of God. So this celebration Sunday, this Palm Sunday, is the mystical celebration of that transmutation that all of us are moving through one way or another. And we're having a whole soul devotion to the qualities of God, of peace and love and excellence. Where we're living, we're, we are the living water as was said, sung in that song, and it is our shepherd. So we begin to be aware of those places within where we have identified ourselves. Sometimes we seek to hold on to a certain way of being because maybe we're just comfortable there, but we're not growing. And so Jesus had to do some things that made him grow. He had to get out of his comfort zone and go into some unknown territory. And that's what he was doing when he was riding on the donkey 
in the Jerusalem. Because it's interesting about life. Because even if we imagine ourselves as being magnificent beings and we're operating, we're still operating from a realm of limitation. Because the unspiritualized ego has not released itself into the mystery of the unknown. That's where all the good stuff is. It's still dealing with known facts and things that can be imagined. It's still a ceiling. You know, it reminds me of a story of a man who had transitioned. He had died. And he went to the proverbial heaven. And when he got there, he was shown around by St. Peter. I don't know why in all of these stories it's always St. Peter. It's never another saint. But St. Peter was there. And as St. Peter was showing him around, uh, the man saw all of these boxes in a room that they happened to pass by. But St. Peter didn't take him in there. And so the man was very curious about this and asked if he could go in. And St. Peter said, well, you don't really want to go in there with all those boxes. They're for the people who are here. But the man asked, well, do I have a box? And St. Peter said, yeah. And after a while, jostling back and forth, Peter relented, and he let the man go into the room. And the man goes in there, and he looks for his box because they're all alphabetized and in order, you know, they, apparently there's some really orderly people in this place. And he finds his box. And it's beautiful. It's gold and purple, has a magnificent ribbon tied around it. And he opens the box. And when he opens the box, St. Peter hears this groan from the man. Because inside the box are all the blessings that God was ready to give him. But the man had put such a limitation, had put a limitation on himself and a ceiling on himself because his refusal to step into the unknown. And he never received the gifts that were for him. You know, the point is this. We got to let go of what we know and step into the mystery of the unknown to receive the blessings that are there for us. Like I said, that's what Jesus was doing when he's riding into Jerusalem. He didn't know what was really before him. He knew it probably wasn't going to be too good. But he did not succumb to his human response, his natural response. He let that go and he followed that Christ guidance that was in him. And so for him, it was about moving from that conditioned response that we all have, that safe place that we are in. No longer reacting to our environment and stepping into what we would call a spontaneous goodness that is calling for all of us to be more, to be ourselves, to be who we are in potential. As I said last week, we have to be something more than we've never been before in order to do something we have never done before. It's a constant movement, it's an expansion and awareness. This is what we're talking about here. So we're moving from the, the, the base way of being, our conditioned, sometimes reactionary consciousness. It's that place within that operates from instinct. And sometimes it's difficult to separate itself from its environment 
It can't separate itself from conditions or circumstances or what other people think, and it begins to, to let that be what guides them. But as we develop and unfold, we move into a higher end of the human consciousness, the next stage. And that higher human consciousness of us is, is wonderful. And at that point, we can see ourselves separate from our environment. We can, we can even imagine ourselves separate from the particular experiences that we're going through. And you and I can begin to think independent of circumstances. And therein lies creativity. Therein lies that spontaneous goodness that just springs up for us. Therein lies the unraveling of our past, the unraveling of our history. And we're not limited by anything that may have happened to us up until that point. Even the events that are passing through our awareness in this moment do not determine the quality of our life because we can think separate from all of that. Think separate from all that seems to be going on. And as we begin to take control of our awareness of that point, at that point, and become devoted to God, then those conditioned states of mind that seem to run us up until that particular point they begin to be requalified. They begin to be transformed. They begin to be transmuted. And our entire life, our way of being, begins to glow with a level of excellence according to where we are placing our attention. You know, this past year, during this pandemic, for many of us, has been challenging. Uh, many people have reached another level of their being nonetheless, even despite the challenge. They've reached levels of creativity that they haven't previously tapped into and may not have even stepped into had we not gone through the experiences. You know, I know people who have got back into hobbies they had long forgotten. They discovered skills they didn't know that were there. I was checking out online a guy who, who lived on a farm. He created some sort of contraption from from just pure wood that he had laying around, and he turned that into an automatic rebounding machine. So when he shot basketballs through the hoop, a wooden bucket-like contraption would sling the ball right back to him so he wouldn't have to chase the basketball down. You know, I can't really give it a just description. Just say it was amazing what he was able to come up with in his imagination. I know there's another person even in our congregation started creating rag dolls. And heck, I even finished off a book I started that now I have another idea for the next one. But at the same time, many people kept their attention contracted, focused on fear, focused on doubt, focused on worry, which blocks us from seeing the visions that the spirit of the living God has for us. There's some part of us that is prone to worry. There's a dimension of us that worries a little bit, is concerned about things. And there's part of that that's, you know, that's actually really cool because it protects us. It keeps us safe. But there's a part of us that allows it to run amok. And all it does is worry. It creates the worst case scenarios all of the time, always thinking if this does not take place or that does not take place, it's been conditioned that particular way to see the worst possibilities. 
But this whole worry state, which is a habit for many of us, can be stopped with a degree of practice by giving it something to do. We got to give that something to do so we can step into that new possibility. You know, it reminds me of a story of a monk, of course. And he had this wonderful disciple who had some really super curly hair. I don't have any hair now, but he had super curly hair. And this is important, as I'll talk to about it later. And this guy went to the monk because he wanted to lift his vibration to the point that he was able to say a mantra that raised his energy level, raised his way of being to a very high level. And once he got to this level, he could command any spirit, any entity to do his bidding. Because he knew that if he raised his vibration to, to this point, he could do this. So he went to the monk and he threw himself down to the monk. And, and he said, as his student, you know, I want the mantra that you can help bring me to the point that will lift my vibration where I command this spirit to do what I want it to do. And the monk said to his disciple, you know, I could teach you this, but there is a catch. This spirit you're about to command always has to have something to do. And if you do not give it something to do, it will devour you. It will eat you up. And the guy said, no big deal. I got a lot of stuff for the spirit to do. And the spirit started thinking about all, and, 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 and he started thinking about all the things he wanted this spirit to do. So the monk gave him the mantra, and, and the disciple started doing his japa, his repetitions of this mantra over and over again. His vibration was lifted high, and he was feeling connected. And all of a sudden, the spirit appeared. The spirit said to the disciple, What shall I do for you, Master? And the disciple said, well, I want a palace, make it big and beautiful. And he laid down after giving this command to take a nap. And the spirit came back even before he could close his eyes. And he said, I'm finished, master. What else? And then the disciple said, well, my goodness, I didn't even get a chance to get a nap. And then he told him, you know, I want it filled with servants and wonderful food cooking when I get home. And in an instant, it happened. And he still hadn't had a chance to take that nap. And the spirit said to him, what else do you want me to do, master? And he told the, 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 the spirit, cut the long, shoom, it was done. He painted another color, shoom, it was done. And he could not keep up with that particular spirit. And the spirit says, I'm getting hungry. I'm getting hungry. I'm going to devour you. And the guy hightailed it back to the monk and said, help me, help me. The spirit's about to devour me. And the monk said, I told you if you were going to get involved in this, what was going to happen? And the disciple says, look, don't give me advice. Save my life. You know, someone said, you know, the worst vice is advice. He said, don't give me any advice. Help me. So the monk plunked one of the super curly hairs out of the disciple's head. And as the spirit was coming, he gave the, the curly hair to the spirit and said, make this hair stand straight. And the spirit held it, but every time he let it go, it curled back up. He'd give it back to the spirit, and he'd hold it out again, and it would curl back up. 
And then the monk said to the disciple, now tell the spirit to do what you want him to do. And after you tell him what you, what you want him to do, give him the hair to straighten up and your life will be saved. Now I'll say all that to say this. That hair curling up is what we must do to that conditioned part of us that has become habitual, that is not in tune with the highest possibilities of ourselves. We must give it something to do so that then the Holy Spirit can do the work. So that even when the surface mind is going crazy, it will not devour us. When we want to hold on, something else happens. When we want to be in resentment, something else happens. When we don't want to do something or do our best, something else takes us over. This is what we do when we talk about spiritualizing our entire life. That's what that's about. We give it something to do. And you may ask, what does that look like? We begin to tell ourselves, first of all, I'm on a journey. I'm on a spiritual journey. And that spiritual journey means change. It means transformation. Nothing remaining the same. A constant expansion of awareness. You begin to tell yourself that. You begin to tell yourself, I'm here to give. I'm here to share myself with this world. This breaks the limited perspective that sometimes the unspiritualized ego has that will tell us, oh, you're not enough. Oh, you aren't enough. There are diminishing returns here in this world for you. It begins to tell you, I'm here to give. I'm here to share. I'm here to begin to tell us to invest in life. And when we do that, we'll begin to celebrate the meaning, the essence of Palm Sunday, realizing it's a preparation for a greater demonstration of who and what we really are. We understand we have simply transformed our reactionary part of us, the animal energy in us. We've up-leveled and requalified the human energy within us. And we have stepped into that spiritual insight part of our being. This is where the mysteries are unfolding. And they can't be defined by words. They can only be felt by the heart. It begins to redirect us, requalify us. And then it allows us to see specifically some of the tasks that we are here to put our energy in. And we do that in order to bear rich spiritual fruit. That's what Jesus was heading toward, rich spiritual fruit. And it was treacherous along the way. But this is why we are here. This is what Palm Sunday is about. This is what the triumphant appearance is about. It's about stepping into cosmic awareness, stepping into cosmic consciousness and surrendering and releasing into the mystery. Understanding the mystery is a greater expression of love, a greater expression of peace, a greater expression of harmony, a greater expression of life that is eternal and the willingness in our human incarnation to bear witness to it as our life.
And that's what Jesus the Christ did. He bared witness to the truth that life is eternal. And it does not even matter what we are facing. He knew he was going to go through a scary experience, a challenging experience like none other in his life. But it did not matter what they said about him. It did not matter what they called him. All that was important was that Christ's presence within the soul of everyone. And that includes you and me. He revealed this. So let this Palm Sunday be a symbol of your indwelling Christ's power that directs us to be on a hunt to something good, something magnificent. And then watch as the triumphant nature of our spirit, your spirit, repeats itself over and over and over and over again. It expands over and over and over again. And so we take that in as the message for this Palm Sunday. And next week, we'll give you the rest of the story. Peace and blessings to you. We are grateful for the opportunity to share with you today and hope you've taken something from this Sunday's message. If you'd like to hear more from Spiritual Life Center, be sure to click subscribe on the podcast platform you're listening from. You can find out more about our community on our website at www.slcworld.org. We look forward to being a part of your continued spiritual journey. Wherever you are, God is, and all is well.